Hi, this is Gavin Giovanoni. I'm a neurologist at uh, Bart's Health and Queen Mary University of London, and I'm doing this uh, podcast and MSLP newsletter to say that the first phase three results of uh, the class of agents called brutum tyrosine kinase inhibitors uh, are, have been reported out as being negative. So Merck, the company based in Darmstadt in Germany, reported yesterday that the two phase three evolution trials comparing evobrutinib to teriflunamide um, did not reach their primary outcome. Um, I think the important uh, thing was that teriflunamide actually performed a lot better than expected. Uh, the relapse rate in the first trial was 0.11 in both arms, and in the second trial was 0.15 on ivabrutinib and 0.14 on teriflunamide. And the uh, company press release actually makes the point that teriflunamide performed a lot better than expected compared to previous trials. <clears throat> Um, and I suppose this is uh, surprising to some, but it's not surprising to me because I think we've uh, underestimated uh, how therapeutically effective teriflunamide is, and I'll go through some of the reasons why I think this happened. I mean, I actually changed my mind about teriflunamide. I think it was in 2015 when I found out about its other mode of action. In other words, it's antiviral, and I'll go through some of the um, uh, reasons why I think this is important. But it's quite clear that uh, teriflunamide is much more effective than we thought in the past. Uh, and as we start to reinterpret old data and new data, we begin to realize that uh, in real-life comparisons, it outperforms uh, its effect on versus, versus placebo in the clinical trials. And when you look at real-world databases, it's pretty effective. Also, more recently, we, we've been using teriflunamide in head-to-head -head studies, and the first uh, trials that came out were the anti-CD20s, uh, ofatumumab and oblatixumab. Now, both the anti-CD20 agents, the two latest ones, were compared against teriflunamide and were clearly superior at suppressing relapses and MRI activity, in other words, focal inflammation. But when it came to looking beyond that and looking at the impact on disability progression, the differences were very, very small. Um, yeah, so Ofatumumab was better than teriflunamide disability progression, but whether those differences are clinically significant is, is arguable. Uh, Ublituximab was not uh, superior to uh, teriflunamide in, in delaying disability worsening um, in the phase two phase three trials. Um, and when you actually drill down into the um, impact of ofatumumab, uh, versus, versus teriflunamide, the majority of the worsening, I think, was relapse-associated. When you look at the PERA, progression-independent relapse activity, or smoldering MS, the absolute differences are tiny. The relative differences are quite small, but we're talking about very small numbers uh, when you look at the PERA analysis from uh, that has been presented at a previous meeting uh, two years, three years ago. Um, now, when you go beyond relapses and MRI activity and look at brain volume loss, there is no difference between teriflunamide and anti-CD20 therapies when comparing brain volume loss. So I think teriflunamide is much more effective uh, on the end organ than it is on relapses and MRI activity. Uh, and this is why I think uh, we should be exploring it uh, and using it in a different way. Anyway, I've put up some graphs in the newsletter that you can look at and some references for you to review if you don't agree with me. 
And the other thing that I find very different to, from the other agents is when you actually look at the data of teriflunamide used second or third line, not as a first line therapy, it's actually more effective both on relapse reduction and on disability progression. And that's a consistent finding across several trials. So it's not something that happened by chance. And then we have to ask ourselves the question, why is teriflunamide better as a second or third line agent? And that's actually an outlier because all other therapies tend to be uh, better when used in naive patients compared to second, third or fourth line. So there's something unique about the mode of action of teriflunamide. Um, and it's quite worrying because I suppose the negative ivibrutinib trial must make the other companies developing BDK inhibitors in multiple sclerosis. So there are three, and possibly a fourth one uh, starting, because um, uh, all of them are comparing uh, the agent against teriflunamide. So they may be on tender hooks. You know, what does this mean for those other trials? And are we surprised, based on these evibrutinib results, if those other agents, uh, you know, beat teriflunamide uh, uh, easily? I mean, teriflunamide is performing a lot better. And I suspect that may relate to the fact that some of the trials at least have quite a lot of <laughs> people that are, uh, have been previously exposed to DMTs. So teriflunamide is likely to perform better in you know, these contemporary current trials than it did in the past on relapse and MRI activity. But we wait, have to wait and see. Um, now, I think it may be premature to completely dismiss ivibrutinib, so I will keep an open mind. Uh, so we need to see the additional analyses, particularly the disability progression and the biomarkers on end organ damage, brain volume loss, slowly expanding lesions, cognition, etc., before we, before we say it completely failed. Um, one of the other things that uh, we have noticed is that teriflutamide is a bit of an outlier in certain modes of action. So, you know, we put forward this hypothesis that all of our therapies work on memory B cells, either reducing them relative to other, to memories, to naive cells, or stopping their trafficking into the central nervous system. But teriflunamide is an outlier that either doesn't impact on the memory B cells, in other words, proportion of memory B cells relative to total B cell counts is the same, uh, or if it does reduce the absolute number, that tends to be part of a generalized dropping of the lymphocyte count that occurs with teriflunamide. So teriflunamide doesn't have a major impact on memory B cells and makes it a bit of an outlier in terms of our B cell hypothesis. But what we do know is that it's actually a pan-antiviral. It's got data in the literature uh, working against a host of viruses, including um, BK virus, which is very similar to JC virus. It causes PML, so the BK virus causes a kidney problem. It works against almost all the herpes viruses, simplex, varicella, CMV, EBV. It works against HIV, uh, and so we think that the mode of action of teriflunamide may be as it, why it's antiviral mode of action. And we published a small proof of concept study just showing you that when you people with multiple sclerosis go on to teriflunamide, it reduces EBV viral shedding in their saliva. And this raises the question, is teriflunamide actually working in multiple sclerosis as an anti-EBV drug? And I think we need to keep that option open for further study. Now, this observation is not unique to teriflunamide. Um, it's also relevant to the other agents in the class, and there is one that's in clinical trial at the moment called Bilaflutamus. Uh, there's one that we that I was in, engaged with in the past called Aslan 003, and that hasn't gone forward in MS. And then there's obviously the the prodrug of teriflunamide called leflunamide, which is licensed for RA, 
and it is used off-label uh, to treat multiple sclerosis. And I think uh, you know we should actually explore using reflunamide uh, internationally as a way to treat MS in uh, low and low and middle low middle income countries because it's so much because it's off patent and it's cheap. I personally think that teriflunamide or the other <clears throat> DHODH inhibitors, you know, will work best when used as second and third line agents, particularly off as a maintenance therapy after induction with a depleting agent. And the hypothesis is very simple. You deplete your B cells and you allow them to reconstitute in the presence of teriflunamide. And because it's antiviral, it'll stop the new B cells being reinfected with EBV. And this is the uh, underlying fun- foundation uh, or the hypothesis that supports the so-called ITERI study, induction maintenance with teriflunamide. I try to get this funded, and I might need to go back and, and, and rethink it now after this negative ibuprutinib trial. Can we get ITERI funded? So one of the consequences of this negative ibuprutinib uh, evolution trial will be that I suspect we're going to start using a lot more teriflunamide uh, to de-escalate people of chronic immunosuppression, particularly chronic anti-CD20 uh, immunosuppression. Uh, so when people who are particularly older start developing recurrent infections or hypogammaglobulinemia or poor vaccine responses, you know, it makes sense to transition them onto teriflunamide. And teriflunamide, although it's labeled as an immunosuppressive therapy, it's not immunosuppressive. It doesn't have a true signature of being immunosuppressive. Very rarely, well, it's uncommon to get significant leukopenia or lymphopenia, which is one of the tick boxes for uh, immunosuppression. There are no opportunistic infections seen. It doesn't cause secondary malignancies, and vaccine responses are maintained. So it doesn't really tick all the four boxes that classify a drug uh, as being immunosuppressive by the regulators. So it should actually, in my opinion, be classed as an immunomodulator, uh, and we should use it as an immunomodulator and use it more intelligently. And I think the big thing about teriflunamide, it is now becoming a very low-cost drug, and I suspect economics will drive its uptake. You know, the price the, pl- the price has plummeted by uh, by over 90%. You know, generic teriflunamide is now the cheapest DMT in the United States, for example. So wholesale generic teriflunamide, you know, goes from th- uh, the cheapest being $32.40 to about $2,000 for a month's supply. Those are for the various generics. In comparison, for Abagio, the innovator formulation, it costs uh, nine, over £9,000 per month. So what would you pay? £9,000 um, or dollars per month versus $32 per month. Uh, and I put the link here from the US National MS Society just showing you the cost of the generic formulations of uh, teriflunamide. And as it comes off patent all over the world, I'm almost certain because it's a small molecule, the prices will plummet. Saying that, though, if you live in a low-income or a low-middle-income country and you can't afford these high-cost drugs, you could use lefrunamide. So lefrunamide is a prodrug. It gets converted in the body to teriflunamide and works. It's the same drug, in my opinion. Uh, and so 20 milligrams of lefrunamide is equivalent to 14 milligrams of teri and 10 milligrams to 7. So you've got the two doses. And I would have very little... Um, very little uh, problems uh, recommending you start people start lefunamide as a low-cost initiative. So my call to arms in is if you are a, a very wealthy philanthropist or funder, you know, I think, and you want to make a difference to the world, I would please urge you to consider funding a large phase three artery study where we compare um, induction with anti-CD20 
switching to teriflunumide after, say, a certain period of time versus continuing on the uh, and the primary outcome for that would not necessarily be efficacy. I think the primary outcome would be safety. Uh, and then what we'd build into that would be um, you know, biomarkers for uh, loss of efficacy. So you know, filament levels, and we'd look at EBV biology, immunoglobulin levels, um, to see if the induction maintenance um, is, a, is a safe or safer. It'll be safer, in my opinion, uh, and if, it, if we maintain efficacy. So that's quite exciting. Anyway, so read this. If you've got any questions, ask me. I don't think you should take this as bad news. Um, you know, everybody's expecting the next phase of MS treatments to be BTK inhibitors. But sometimes a failed experiment, a failed result like this, is a time to step back and reflect and consider why it's failed. And also look to explain the failure and then move on. So this is how science evolves. It's not always about positive results. It's about learning from negative results and using those negative results to improve. And I think this negative Ibabrutinib uh, study uh, should make us reflect as an MS community about our treatment targets and what we're trying to achieve uh, long-term with multiple sclerosis. Thank you.